So, we have a lot of ground to cover today, so I'm not going to do a lot of sum up. Um, you know, we've been talking through the whole Bible. Um, last week we talked about, um, and how everything connects, last week we talked about the Gospels, and so now we are up to the um, book of Acts, and we are going to go all the way through the rest of the Bible today, and finish it up. So, uh, Acts on through. Um, I am going to dwell on Acts a little bit more because Acts is uh, more of uh, a history book, so it tells us a lot about the early church, and so it kind of sets a lot of foundation. So we'll dwell there a little bit more, and then we'll just kind of touch lightly on each of the books um, so uh, you can kind of get a little more context into each book. So um, the book of Acts... Oops, I hit the wrong button, sorry. Acts was written by Luke, um, same Luke that wrote the Gospel of Luke. And um, so it's like a companion piece to Luke's Gospel. Um, it just picks right up where Luke left off in his Gospel. And so uh, the whole book of Acts is pretty much outlined in uh, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Um, and so that's pretty much what the books of Acts is all about. The Holy Spirit coming on um, the early believers, the, the uh, disciples, and, um, and then them taking it through the rest of the region. Um, so uh, the book of Acts um, is also, it's short for the Acts of the Apostles. So just talking about what they're doing. Apostles means sent one. So just simply, it's um, sent one. So after Jesus was taken up into heaven, the disciples went to Jerusalem uh, to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised them. Uh, Jesus could only be in one place at one time, but he knew that if he left, that the Holy Spirit could come and uh, dwell in the believers, and then he could be everywhere, and his power could be everywhere instead of just in one place. So on the Jewish holiday of Pentecost, Pentecost means 50th because it was 50 days after Passover, um, the believers were gathered together, and in Acts 2, 2-4, to it tells us, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Um, and uh, verse 5 says that uh, after this, that there were Jews from every nation under heaven um, staying in Jerusalem. And so when they heard the believers speaking in other tongues, speaking in their own languages, uh, they were amazed. And uh, Peter stood up and he shared the good news about Jesus. I mean, in Acts two thirty-seven to 39, uh, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. And so about 3,000 people were added to their number that day. The Holy Spirit equipped them and filled them and uh, with boldness to share the good news of Jesus. And as they performed miracles and signs and wonders um, and taught the crowds, 
this also happened to catch the attention of the Sadducees, remember the religious leaders. And so um, Acts 4, 18 to 20 tells us, uh, then they called them in again, this is the Sadducees called them in, in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And um, uh, so the followers continue to meet together, even though the religious leaders are threatening them, um, just the same ones that threatened and killed Jesus, um, so are threatening them. So they go out and they continue to meet together and uh, spread the gospel, um, and, uh, and they were also persecuted. The apostles, uh, they were arrested, they were put in jail, and, um, but you know, a few times an angel came and let them out, um, but even then they went right back to the temple courts and told people about their new life in Jesus. Um, a believer named Stephen uh, was stoned to death for speaking out about Jesus, and the Bible um, tells us about that. Um, but then after, um, oops, after he was stoned, um, on that, on Acts 8, 1, sorry, I haven't been good lately of like reading the references. I've just kind of like flow with it. And so I'm trying to read the references though, that, uh, especially those online or listening to it, um, audibly can know which verses we're talking about. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So after Stephen died, the church, it's been, it's been hanging out in Jerusalem, but they were supposed to spread the, the good news throughout the area. So um, after he died, they started to spread, except for the apostles, because uh, Jerusalem was kind of their, their home base at that time. Um, and they also still thought that the gospel was only for the Jews. So at this time, they're still just taking the gospel. They're spreading out, but they're still just talking, um, telling the good news of Jesus to the Jews not the Gentiles. So after the Lord um, gave, excuse me, after the Lord gave a vision to Peter about not calling um, things unclean that God has made clean, the Lord sent Peter up to visit a Roman centurion, a military commander um, who feared the Lord. And when Peter told him about salvation through Jesus Christ, um, his whole family was saved. They were filled with the spirit. They were baptized and Peter realized that, um, God wanted them to take the good news of Jesus to Gentiles as well. That salvation wasn't just for the Jews, that it was for everyone. So things start to spread even more. The second half of the book of Acts really centers around, um, Saul or Paul and, um, uh, so I'm going to give you a little background on him before we <clears throat> go a little bit further. So um, Saul was a Pharisee, and he was zealous for God's law. Uh, he thought that the followers of Jesus were going against God. He loved God, and he wanted to do what was right by God. So um, he was having believers imprisoned or killed, and uh, he stood there in approval as Stephen was stoned. And Saul was on his way to Damascus to uh, find other followers of Jesus. Um, and in Acts 9, 3 to 8, it tells us, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. 
Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. So God sends, then sends a man named Ananias to Saul to restore his sight. And uh, Saul is filled with the Holy Spirit. And at first, Ananias was afraid to go to Saul. Um, and God says this to him in Acts nine fifteen to 16. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And, um, and so this is, this is Paul's journey. He's, you know, the rest of Acts is Paul taking the gospel to Jews, Gentiles, and to kings. Um, and so we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, uh, at once, um, so at once Paul began to preach in the synagogues, um, that Jesus is the son of God and, um, and the, uh, the other believers are scared of him because they're not sure at first if he's truly converted. Um, but, um, but yeah, but he's spreading the word. So Paul is, he's perfect to spread the good news to the Roman world. Um, Saul grew up in Tarsus in the Greek world, so he could explain the gospel in a way that anyone could understand. Um, the rest of the disciples grew up in Judea, and they weren't as familiar with Greek culture or the rest of the Greek-speaking world like Paul was. Saul was also very smart. Uh, he came to Judea and studied the Old Testament scriptures with the best rabbis, and he was very passionate about what he believed. Saul was also a Roman citizen. Uh, most people that lived in the Roman Empire weren't Roman citizens, and um, very few Jews were citizens. So a Roman citizen could travel anywhere in the empire uh, without a lot of trouble. And uh, if Saul was arrested, the very worst punishments, like crucifixion, uh, couldn't be given to him um, as a Roman citizen. So if you were put on trial and you didn't think that it was a fair trial as a citizen, you could appeal to Caesar. And um, they would take you to to Caesar, so your trial would be before him. So he was he was. Uh, this is like the fullness of time thing that we talked about. You know, God put Paul or Saul Paul here at this time for this purpose to spread the word. So um, uh, Saul um, Saul. So the difference with Saul and Paul. Saul was his Hebrew name. And Paul was his Greek name. When Saul begins to travel to the Gentiles, Luke starts to call him Paul. And so from now on, I'll call him Paul so there won't be any confusion. So Paul went to Jerusalem to meet with the other disciples. And um, Barnabas told them about um, Paul's conversion. And so they accepted him. And um, then Barnabas and Paul go to Antioch to teach the new believers there for a year. And it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. And that's where that comes from. So Christian uh, comes from the Greek word, Christ, Greek word Christianos, uh, meaning followers of Christ or those who belong to Christ. And Christ means anointed one. So to call Jesus Christ means that he is king of your life and that you follow him. And that's what Christian means. So Paul left Antioch and over the next several years went on three missionary journeys around the Mediterranean world traveling up to 2,800 miles on foot and by boat on each journey. And wherever Paul went, he taught people about Jesus Christ. And I was going to put a map up, but I forgot to kind of show you a map of 
that area where he was going. Um, but you might be able to find that in your Bible map of his journeys or Google. When Paul finally gets back to Jerusalem, um, some Jews from the province of Asia stirred up the crowd and seized Paul. Roman soldiers grabbed him from the crowd, and then they let Paul speak to the crowd about Jesus. Um, the soldiers were going to flog him, and then Paul brings up his Roman citizenship. And um, so Acts 23.11 says, The following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. So, um, you know, there was, this was, uh, God's, God's, uh, path to get Paul to Rome. Um, so the, uh, he had said, you know, that he was a Roman citizen. Um, so they were wondering what to do with him. And, um, so after there, um, so there was a plot to kill Paul. And so after that was revealed, the commander sends Paul to Governor Felix in Caesarea for a trial. So now Paul gets to tell Governor Felix about Jesus. Felix doesn't uh, know what to do with Paul, so he leaves him locked up for about two years until a new governor uh, takes his place, Governor Festus. And over this time, like whenever Paul is in prison, he's not just just sitting there doing nothing. He's writing letters to the churches and encouraging them and teaching them. And um, sometimes being locked up, it wasn't, you know, he was in like a rented house locked up. You know, he wasn't, um, it wasn't that he was always in like a dark dungeon somewhere. Um, And so Paul then uh, tells Festus about Jesus. And when Festus wants to send him back to Jerusalem, uh, Paul knows that the Jews there will kill him. So Paul says, I appeal to Caesar. So when Paul waits, uh, while Paul waits to go to Rome to see Caesar, King Agrippa goes to meet with Governor Festus, and uh, Paul gets to tell him about Jesus. So Paul was spreading the good news to kings, just like Jesus said he would. Uh, Festus sends Paul to Caesar, and while Paul waited years to see Caesar, he lived in his own rented house and continually taught about Jesus in Rome. Um, and uh, so from Rome, I mean, this was like, the head of everything, you know, the gospel can just spread out uh, a little more easily from here. So uh, in this thought can, they were in Rome, you know, Greek culture, uh, intellectual thought and knowledge, it was really put up here. So, you know, it was a good place to kind of tackle that and take that in and start to change some thought um, with the life of Jesus. So uh, this is also possibly the time when Luke wrote his letters and, um, um, And that's how the book of Acts ends, uh, with Paul waiting to see Caesar and boldly preaching the kingdom of God and about the Lord Jesus Christ. So, these uh, next books of the Bible that we're going to be going over are called the epistles. I know I'm moving fast today, but we got a lot of ground to cover. So, um, the rest of the New Testament, um, except for Revelation, is called the epistles. And epistles is the Greek word for letter. Um, the first 13 letters were written by Paul, and they're called the Pauline epistles. And so Paul wrote Romans through Philemon, right here. And um, uh, the letters were not written in the order that we have them here. Um, they're arranged longest to shortest, like the prophetic books were. So um, this isn't necessarily the order. 
Um, Paul's 13 letters were written over about a span of uh, 15 years. And Paul's letters were the first writings that explained what it meant to be a Christian. Um, they didn't have the Gospels. You know, it could be at this time that Mark was just starting to write um, his Gospel, but they didn't have that instruction. Um, so Paul's letters to them were like the the first bits of like what we have in the New Testament, you know, to teach them what it was to live um, a life in Christ. And um, so um, after Paul left their towns on their journeys and stuff, you know, he'd write back to give them instruction or correction. So a few things that we need to remember about the letters. Um, letters are written um, from an individual to an individual or group, and usually regarding a specific set of circumstances. When we write letters, that's, that's what we do as well. So even though these letters weren't written specifically to us, uh, we get to read these documents and hear what the apostles had to say to these specific churches in their specific circumstances and have our lives shaped by them. So we've got to look at things in context and just remember that these are written to um, certain people about what was happening in their day. And we'll learn a little bit about more about that. So, briefly talking about the Pauline epistles, we're going to start with Romans. Uh, Paul wrote this letter to the believers in Rome to prepare them for his visit. He hadn't been there yet. And the church in Rome had not received the teaching of an apostle yet, so Paul wrote to present the basic system of salvation to them. And he also wanted to explain that all people are saved by grace through Jesus Christ. Romans three twenty-two to 24 this, is righteous, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by, Jesus, by Christ Jesus. So this is what he was teaching them. Um, Gentile believers there were rejecting the small group of Jewish believers because the Jews, uh, Jewish believers still observed dietary laws and sacred days. And um, so he wanted to unify the church um, uh, and remind them that they you know, had that unity um, in salvation through Jesus. And um, so the Romans, or excuse me, Romans is the most complete summary of what Christians believe in the whole Bible. So if anyone wants to know what Christians believe, Romans is a good place to start. It's got a lot packed in there. The next books are 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and they were written to the church in Corinth. And Corinth was a thriving city of commerce. It was a crossroads for travel and trade, and it was also the center of unrestricted immorality. Um, there were at least 12 temples there, one of them dedicated to the Greek goddess of love, Aphrodite. And the worship of Aphrodite brought with it prostitution in the name of religion. So Corinth was known for its sexual immorality all throughout um, the Roman world. So this is the setting for the church in Corinth. And they were having problems. Um, immorality was seeping into the church. And um, so, you know, and people are converted to Christianity and they're having to leave those old ways behind. So Paul wrote to address these issues of immorality and disunity. And he calls them to repentance. And he also answered some questions that they had regarding um, marriage, meat offered to idols, uh, spiritual gifts, and resurrection. And uh, this is where we get the love chapter and teachings about the spiritual gifts. And 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. Love is patient. Love is kind. 
It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So Paul is telling them uh, what Christian love should be like. And um, in 2 Corinthians, Paul commends them for their repentance uh, and also addresses some issues with false teachers who are challenging uh, Paul's authority as an apostle, um, along with some other things. And with all of this overview, I mean, Paul talks about so much in these books. I think to tell you everything, I'd have to read each book to you this morning. So I'm just giving you a quick sum up and pulling out some highlights. Um, the next book is Galatians. I mean, it was written to the church in Galatia. And the Jewish Christians believed that the Old Testament law was still binding under the New Covenant. They insisted that the Gentile Christians be circumcised in order to follow Jesus. So Paul reminds them that they are now free from the law, that Jesus fulfilled the law, and salvation is only found in Christ. And you join Christ by faith and follow him in the spirit. Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The next book is Ephesians. Ephesians was written to the church in Ephesus and possibly intended to be circulated um, through other churches as well. Ephesus was also a commercial center and boasted a pagan temple to the Roman goddess um, Diana or or Artemis. Um, Paul made Ephesus a center for teaching for about three years. Um, Paul's letter isn't a letter of correction, but a letter to encourage growth. And to remind them of the blessings in Christ and to live according to who they are in Christ. To put off the old self and the former ways of life. Ephesians 5, 1 to 2. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Uh, The next book is Philippians. Philippians was written to the church in Philippi um, while Paul was in prison. And um, while Paul was in prison in Rome, he had to pay for his own rented house. So the church in Philippi sent him a gift to help provide for him. So Paul wrote the letter to thank them and update them on how he was doing and to encourage them to keep pressing on towards the goal, uh, to stand firm in the face of persecution and to rejoice regardless of the circumstances. Uh, Philippians 4, 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The next book is Colossians. Paul also wrote a letter to the church in Colossae um, while he was in prison. False teaching was creeping into that church, and Paul reminds them what is true about Jesus, um, that Jesus Christ reigns supreme. And he says in Colossians uh, 2.8, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition 
and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. And I think that's, uh, you know, we can benefit from reading this letter and reminding ourselves who Christ is and, um, and think about uh, what human traditions and basic principles of this world uh, that we're allowing to take us captive and that we're, we're free in Christ. So uh, First and Second Thessalonians is the next uh, two letters, and they're written to the church in Thessalonica. Paul had to leave Thess- Thessalonica abruptly, um, so the new converts from paganism uh, to being followers of Jesus were struggling under persecution, and Paul wanted to encourage them in their trials, to give them instructions regarding godly living, and to give assurance regarding the future of those who die before Christ returns. Um, they were wondering, you know, if we die before Jesus returns, will we still get to be with Jesus when he comes back? And so Paul's saying, yes, whether you die or you live when Jesus is coming back, that you get to be with him. And he talks about Christ's return. First Thessalonians four thirteen to 14. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Uh, the next set of books is First and Second Timothy, and then also the book of Titus. So in these books, Paul is writing to um, specific people, um, not specifically to a group of people in a church. So Timothy is leading the young church in Ephesus, and Titus is doing the same in Crete. Paul writes to give them advice on how to be good leaders and how to handle problems and to choose elders um, to help, how to be steadfast and cultivate good character. And uh, in Titus, Paul says uh, this in uh, Titus 2, 11 to 14, for the grace of God has appeared that offers um, salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. The next letter is to a man named Philemon. Philemon lived in Colossae, and his slave Onesimus left him and went um, to Rome. And he, while he was there, he met up with Paul, and he became a follower, in Jesus, a follower of Jesus. So Paul was writing a letter to send back with Onesimus um, as he was going back to Philemon to persuade Philemon to accept... Uh, I'm tripping over these words. To accept... Onesimus as a brother in Christ instead of as a slave. Um, So that's what the book of Philemon is about. It's pretty short. And so um, that is the end of the uh, Pauline epistles. The next seven letters um, are the general epistles. Uh, Paul's letters were written um, to specific churches or people, um, but these ones um, are written to Christians or Jewish Christians in general at that time. Um, except for Second and Third John, which is a little different. Um, so the next book is the book of Hebrews. Uh, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, but the early church leaders knew that the teaching was good and it fit with the teaching of the other epistles. And it was um, agreed that it was inspired writing and belonged in the canon of the New Testament. 
Uh, this letter was written for Jews that became follower of, followers of Jesus, which is why it's called Hebrews. And uh, were, uh, these Jews were tempted to revert back to Judaism um, because of uh, persecution and things. They didn't know if it would just be easier to forget about this Jesus part and go back to being um, Jews. But the author tells them that Jesus fulfilled the law and that there's no turning back to the old ways of righteousness. Um, it talks about Jesus being far greater and superior than the temple high priest, that Jesus is their high priest that made a sacrifice for sins that is good forever. Um, one sacrifice for all God's people for all time. Now Hebrews 10.10, 10, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. The next book or uh, letter is uh, James. The author of this letter is James, um, it, and it's James, the brother of Jesus, and he was the leader of the early uh, church council in Jerusalem. James gives very direct advice on how to live our lives as followers of Christ, um, encouraging us to control our tongues and be doers of the word and not hearers only. James 1, 26 to 27 those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So James, it's kind of like the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's full of um, wisdom nuggets for living our life in Christ. So it's just kind of a compact thing. It's one of my favorite books in the New Testament. Um, first and second Peter are the next two letters. Um, they're written by the apostle Peter. And uh, he wanted to encourage the early Christians who were suffering because of their faith. Um, first Peter 4, 12 to 14. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. So Jesus said that we would suffer, um, but we can have peace in our suffering. And in Second Peter, um, Paul, or excuse me, Peter encourages them to be faithful in Jesus and to grow in Christian character even when faced with false teachers. First, second, and third John. These are written by the Apostle John, um, who wrote the Gospel of John and also the book of Revelation. Uh, first John addresses false teaching that claim that God uh, would not become flesh because the flesh was bad. So he addressed that, that um, Jesus really did become flesh. And he also wrote to give the readers an assurance in salvation. Um, 1 John four thirteen to 16. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God lives. In them, so Second uh, and Third John talks about discernment and hospitality. Um, John was telling them not to welcome people into their homes that were spreading heresy or false teaching, but to be discerning about that. 
the last of uh, the epistle letters um, is Jude, and it's written by Jude, the brother of Jesus. Uh, He writes to expose false teaching that was being spread, that being saved by grace um, gave them a license to sin. Um, since their sin wouldn't be held against them. So Jude encourages the believers to remain true to their faith in Jesus Christ. Um, Jude 23.20 But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, I did not write the rest of what I intended to put on there. So Jude tells you good things. I don't have the rest of the verse written down. And I may have written the wrong one down. Um, but, uh, yeah. But he encourages them to build each other up in their most holy faith, which is probably why I chose that verse. Um, so, as you can see, like, the theme through all of these, the early church, they were under persecution. They were living in a very immoral world. Um, and even amongst that, um, this seed of a church still grew. So I just want to encourage you in that, that like as we look at our world around us and we feel like we're falling into like this moral decay that this this new you know teaching and life of Jesus, this little seed of the gospel was able to grow and come you know out through this great immoral time um, and so uh, um, have heart. <laughs> Um, and now we come to the book of Revelation. And um, uh, so I'm going to give you an overview of that. There's like, you know, so much detail you can dive into. And there's like tricky bits in Revelation. And um, I did a lot of reading on it. And I kind of like, it kind of clicked with me. And I wanted to go in deeper. But that's going to have to be a teaching for another day. So I'm just going to really try to give you an overview Um of it without going uh, too deep, but uh, um, so it's Revelation is a different type of writing. It's apocalyptic writing, and um, apocalypse comes from the Greek word apocalypsis, which uh, means revelation, um, disclosure, or unveiling. So we think of like the end of the world when we say apocalypse because of the Book of Revelation, but um, but it really it just it means revelation. So apocalyptic writing reveals what is going to happen in the future, particularly with the end of history. And this type of writing also shows up um, in some of the prophetic books like Daniel. Um, this type of literature was common in John's day, like a few hundred years before Jesus and about a hundred years after Jesus. Um, uh, the It was kind of a common way of writing. And what apocalyptic apocalyptic literature and tends to do um, is to help us see that the world may be falling apart, but God is still on the throne. So when you read through Revelation, don't get tied up in what the symbols look like. Um, We are to look at the meaning of the symbols. Um, With Revelation, you need to step back and look at the big picture to really understand it. Because if you focus on just one detail, you miss the whole big picture and the whole message of the book. So it's kind of like that seeing the forest for the trees, you know, type of thing. So if you just focus on one thing, one pixelated thing, which really honestly is the whole Bible. And if you focus on just one thing and not the whole message in, in each book and in the Bible and what is being said, you can, you can kind of miss um, what is being said. There, so um, 
John wrote the book of Revelation, and the first verse um, says, Revelation 1.1, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. So this is the revelation um, from Jesus. This book is meant to be an unveiling of who Jesus is. It pulls back the curtain and shows us where the real battle lies and then calls us to be faithful to God in difficult circumstances. Um, When the book of Revelation was written to the church, they were under heavy persecution. Um, Christians were being burned at the stake. They were um, being eaten by wild animals or by dogs. Um, They were killed and um, burned and killed in many unthinkable ways. And so it was a time of great tribulation for them. And so we need to keep this in mind as we read Revelation. It has a lot of layers. And so like everywhere else in the Bible, there's parts of this that apply to um, the Christian's Um, then and what they were going through and then also applies to us now and in the future and it's you know it's it's pretty layered Um, but there's a pastoral purpose to the book of revelation and it's not meant to sit down and try to figure out the date and time of things that are to come based on the events around us Um, it's meant to remind us that god is on the throne and he still has a plan and his kingdom will still come So Revelation starts out with seven short short letters to seven churches in Asia. Uh, Emperor worship was beginning to be enforced. And uh, if a Christian refused to worship the emperor, then they would be considered a traitor and they would be imprisoned, um, tortured, or killed. And, uh, but, um, uh, sorry, lost my face. Um, So there was a a temptation to compromise, you know, to avoid that persecution. Um, So Jesus is speaking to the churches in the vision uh, given to John to persevere and be steadfast even to death. And the book of Revelation um, uh, is a warning and an encouragement. Uh, It's a warning that we have an enemy who is always trying to hurt us. And that things will get worse before they get better. But it's encouragement because the final battle has already been won. In Christ, our future is safe with God. And we have nothing to fear. Amen. Uh, Revelation ends with Jesus coming and evil being destroyed. And a new heaven and a new earth. And we, as the bride of Christ, living with him. There will be no sickness and tears, disease or death. And all things are made new. Uh, There's a garden city with a tree of life. And so now we've come back full circle, like the Garden of Eden with the tree of life there. And um, it's life forever with Jesus. Everything is restored uh, new. Again, uh, Revelations 22, 20 to 21. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. And we did it. (laughs) We made it through. We made it through uh, the entire, the Bible, the overview, the entire Bible, all of it. Um, So God's awesome plan uh, that we get to be a part of. The story of God and what he's done for us, his love poured out on us. And uh, because of Jesus, we're now children of this awesome living God. And we have the Holy Spirit living in us, empowering us. And um, 
I really, really encourage you to take time to dig into the word um, verse by verse, um, you know, and, you know, get a commentary and, you know, just kind of to get that context, um, asking Holy Spirit to reveal to you, you know, reveal the word to you, working through it with um, a friend. Uh, we have uh, some tools that we can um, help you go deeper into God's word. If you're interested in doing that, we want to build each other up in Christ and uh, live out the word as God calls us to do and encourage one another. So really ask questions, any questions, nothing's off the table um, as we're walking through this together um, and set apart as God's people, um, becoming more and more like him every day. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, you are good and we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that God's word is within us. Show us how to uh, study your word more, Lord, to hear what you're saying through your word, that our ears would be open to hear what you're saying. Holy Spirit, just minister to us, reveal to us, give us revelation of what you're saying, like personal revelation that we would understand what you're saying to us through your word. Help us to encourage one another, Lord, as we walk in you and build each other up, that we would know and understand who we are in you, and that you, God, that you, the maker of the universe, dwells within us. We thank you. Thank you, Lord. You are so good, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.